Rome once fell, and all great civilizations do. Is America falling? Could we be doing more? Some say it's because we have stopped focusing on learning and understanding what it means to be a good citizen. That's what this podcast is all about. If civics is dead, what happens next? Welcome to Civics is Dead. I'm Cindy Schwartz. Our first season of Civics is Dead focused on outlining the problem of how social studies education, especially on the elementary school level, has become marginalized. Federal testing programs in English and language arts and math pushed social studies, American history, and civics education to the wayside prompting American Federation of Teacher President Randy Weingarten to recently say in the summer of 2018 in an article for American Educator, how do we make civics real in our classrooms and in our communities? Well, we start with our youngest of students, our elementary school kids. In season two of Civics is Dead, which begins with this episode, we talk with teachers, students, administrators, and parents with boots on the ground. They will be our window into the world of current social studies teaching. To what extent will their words and experiences support the data we sifted through in season one that suggests that social studies education is decreasing, especially at the elementary school level? Things are changing, Toto. I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Let's give a listen to Glen Cove, New York, first grade teacher, Antoinette Hatsopoulos, and how she starts her day at Gribbon Elementary School on Long Island. The first joy is the children running into school every morning, and you greet them with a big smile, good morning, and they greet you back with their big smile, what are we doing today? They're just so excited. They find learning so much fun and seeing the natural growth each day, asking to be read to. You take them out on the playground and they tell you it was their best day ever. Losing their teeth is exciting. Learning how to tie their shoes is exciting. There are so many joys each day to witness. So wonderful to hear teacher Antoinette Hetsopoulos speaking about the joys she experiences every day as a first grade teacher in Glen Cove, New York. She tells us that students come running in with these great big smiles, asking her, what are we doing today? Oh, if that joy and that enthusiasm could really stay with these students throughout their entire school career. That's what we want, isn't it? I interviewed Ms. Hetsopoulos knowing that she had just received the 2018-2019 Margaret Simon Award for Excellence in Elementary Social Studies Education given by the Long Island Council for the Social Studies. She is our first grade teacher for the day, a teacher with boots on the ground that could help enlighten us as to whether or not social studies education has taken a back seat to other core subjects like English, language arts, and math. Let's listen to more of what she has to say about her teaching day. So one highlight of our school district is that we get to send children to the office and speak over the loudspeaker. They get to be the pledge leader and the poem reader for the day. And so we are between 300 and 400 children in our school kindergarten first and second. So if you can imagine, we get these little children prepared and they are ready with their 
piece of paper with their poem, and sometimes they even memorize it. So they go to the office, and the principal's waiting for them, and they get to lead the pledge that day. So the whole school gets to hear them, and then they get to read a poem to all the students in the school. So each day at the Gribben School in Glen Cove, Long Island, New York, first graders are given an opportunity to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. Saying the Pledge of Allegiance enables these students to verbally acknowledge that our nation is a republic, guaranteeing liberty and justice for all. The challenge is, though, of course, to make sure that our students, even the youngest ones, understand what a republic is and what our guaranteed liberties are and what we as Americans are able to do if those liberties are not protected. That is a lot for a little one to know, I know. But certainly I have always believed and hope that you believe that one's reach should always exceed one's grasp and that good teaching finds a way to convey concepts in age-appropriate ways. But here's the problem. The time allotted for teachers to teach social studies, American history, and civics is limited, especially at the elementary level. That appears to hold true nationally. In Missouri, for example, grades one to three are allotted 30 minutes per day for social studies. In Orange County, South Florida, new teacher in training, a girl by the name of Lauren Clark, discusses her frustration in a 2018 article from the Journal of Practitioner Research, and here's what she says, and I quote, that social studies is the subject that suffers from a lack of creative planning, often relying on worksheets, less time allotted on a teacher's daily schedule, and is pushed aside as reading and math take priority. She mourns what she sees as social studies and I quote again, decreasing in importance and quickly becoming extinct in the classroom. And after surveying attendees at an elementary education event that she attended, she noted the unspoken rule is that while social studies is important, it is acceptable in today's classroom to overlook its importance in favor of math and reading. Ouch, that hurts a little bit as a social studies educator. And when I asked our veteran teacher of the day, Antoinette Hatsopoulos, who also has her boots on the ground, here's what she had to say about the time allotted to social studies in the elementary school classroom. It's sort of a difficult question at the elementary level because we do have the luxury of having the students all day. So English language arts is 90 minutes and math is 60 minutes foundations is 30 minutes and then they have a special in lunch and recess and usually you'll hear and if I have time for science and social studies so there we go and if I have time for science and social studies sad to hear here's more I feel like we are doing it and we don't even know we're doing it so it is interdisciplinary and for instance the first week of school I really focused on the Pledge of Allegiance, and that is a social studies lesson. And we, our district has adopted PNW BOCES, Integrated Social Studies ELA. And we've also adopted the Sanford Harmony Program, which is a social and emotional learning program. So throughout your day, you're still getting that, especially on the elementary level, because you can read a book about America the Beautiful and 
well, now you've taught vocabulary words, so that's good for English language arts, but it's also good for social studies. And so getting back to the Pledge of Allegiance, I took copies of parts of the pledge and enlarged them in color. And then I gave each child a buddy. So they had one part of the pledge that they had to understand that part and then draw a picture with their buddy. And then they had to explain that to the class. So I thought that was pretty powerful because every day they're saying the pledge, but do they really know what they're saying? So I thought that was a powerful lesson and I was able to keep social studies as a lesson by itself. But at the same time, they're also learning vocabulary that will help them in other subjects. It's interdisciplinary. Now, how do we feel about that? Our veteran teacher makes the point that she can teach civics when she teaches the Pledge of Allegiance and she can teach reading at the same time. I just wonder though, if there is time then for historical context. Certainly teaching the social studies concept of patriotism while improving a student's reading skills is highly valuable and should never be belittled. However, when is there time then to teach the context of the Pledge of Allegiance? For example, shouldn't the kids know that the idea of having a Pledge of Allegiance was first suggested after the Civil War, when a verbal vow to the American flag became popular? Then later in the 1890s, a Christian socialist and former Baptist minister by the name of Francis Bellamy was working for a magazine called Youth's Companion. And he was asked to write a new pledge to commemorate the 400th anniversary of Columbus's arrival in the New World. His initial pledge read, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation and liberty for all. But later, and of course, if there's no time to teach this, students would never know this. But later, during the Cold War in the 1950s, with President Eisenhower's blessing and lots of lobbying by religious groups, the words under God were added. Now, there have been some legal challenges to that since, but the pledge has remained unchanged and continues to include the words under God. Clearly, a first grader could not comprehend all of this information at the same time, but certainly the idea of the Civil War and the fear of foreign ideas during the Cold War could be developmentally tailored so that a younger child could understand the concepts of freedom of religion and freedom of expression through the lens of saying the Pledge of Allegiance. If teachers have only 30 minutes per day, though, to teach social studies, which after you settle everyone down, grab their attention and deal with who might not feel well that day. Maybe you have 23 minutes, maybe. Can we really, really educate our young people to be competent and participatory members of our democracy if we are given so little time to do so? You're listening to a podcast from LIU Studios. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this show on your podcast app of choice. For more of our programs or to support LIU Studios, visit wcwp.org. 
My name is Robert. I moderate a program that I like to think is inquisitive, unusual, provocative, informative. It's called Seldom Said. It's a place where things are spoken of and discussed. They're usually not given a wide audience, yet things that are important, things that affect our lives. It's a world in flux. Be ahead of the curve. Be with us on Seldom Said. Visit WCWP.org slash Seldom Said to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Young children can and should be exposed to debate and dialogue so that being a member of a participatory democracy becomes part of their daily knowledge, experience, and routine. Democracy should be something they expect and understand. Ellen DeGeneres, on her popular talk show, encouraged such dialogue. So you know with the government shutdown and all the politics going on right now, the world is full of adult problems. It's pretty complicated, so I thought I would talk to some kids and get their perspectives. Everybody's talking about the government shutdown. Have you heard about the government shutdown? No. 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 I haven't heard about it. Yeah, uh, it's horrible. Cora, tell them about it. They shut down the government, and it's kind of keeping people from doing their jobs, so they can't do their jobs anymore. Yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> I like it at all. It's mainly about health care, so we'll talk about being healthy right now. Everybody takes really good care of themselves, right? Yes. yes. And how do you stay so healthy? I have rings on my house hanging down from a pull-up bar. So you hang on the rings? I just love that these kids are talking about our most recent government shutdown. How great is that? Clearly, it can be done, and they are quite engaged. So back to the question of whether or not enough time is allotted for teaching social studies, American history, and civics in the classroom. Well, more and more teachers are finding time to teach social studies, but they are doing it in an interdisciplinary way. Again, I'd love for you to give a listen to our first grade teacher, Antoinette Hetsopoulos, as she tells us about bringing song and history together in the classroom. One other thing we can do also to make sure they're getting that time is there, there are songs. So I played What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong, and they didn't know who that was. And, they, and I had a book that was illustrated. So as the music was playing, I was showing them these beautiful illustrations. And then you hear, play it again, play it again. So if you introduce the students, they get it. They, they're just wonderful at this age. They want to take everything in. You can't miss these opportunities. Can students practice participatory democracy in the classroom? Listen to how Ms. Hitsopoulos integrates exercises in participatory democracy in her classroom. So we'll do something that's age appropriate. Maybe it's voting for, should we have more playtime? And they have to give reasons why they should have more playtime. Again, bringing it back to interdisciplinary. And it, but it is necessary, especially at that age. So they have opinion writing. They learn about opinion writing and persuasive writing. So they get to do that, and that's a good time for them to learn about voting and how their vote can be a secret, and they shouldn't vote for what their friends are voting for. So that's, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to figure out how to keep it a secret. So we give Post-its or you know, we give them a little privacy folder and say, you vote for what you believe is right. Additionally, check out the other ways that this first grade teacher incorporates social studies into her classroom. We do two really special social studies events at our school. 
And I don't even want to call them events because they're they're just such um, they're powerful moments that we have in our school. And one is um, Veterans Day. We asked the children if um, they had a veteran in their family. And sure enough, we had children whose grandpa was a veteran or whose dad was a veteran. So instead of just showing them pictures and reading them a book, we split them into groups and we gave each group of children one of those people to write to. So they were handwritten letters and pictures and we got information from that student about their family member and we mailed them and they all responded to us and they were just so touched. So we have been doing that ever since. This letter writing is so important, such an important way to introduce young children to Veterans Day, no doubt. It incorporates an appreciation for the sacrifices of our soldiers while strengthening students' ability to write and express themselves. But again, I wonder, can Veterans Day be taught without teaching about a war or why there are wars? This never has to be accomplished in a frightening way. Certainly children understand the concept of conflict. Sadly, they have arguments with their parents or siblings or grandparents. So maybe choosing the American Revolution or the Civil War or even Vietnam as an example of the concept of conflict and conflict resolution should accompany this letter writing for Veterans Day. Maybe even a chronology timeline of conflicts from the American Revolution until the Iraqi War could be filled in and discussed over the course of three to four days prior to even discussing Veterans Day. Remember, if a lesson is done simply and in age-appropriate fashion, it can be done regardless of the age. Children can understand complex concepts. You just have to be creative and organized. Teaching the concept of equality is also imperative for our children as well. Ms. Hetsopoulos teaches that concept when she teaches the importance of celebrating the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So we teach all the students about Martin Luther King. Kindergarten, we have a wonderful teacher who plays the accordion. She teaches them two songs. We all gather in the gymnasium together. So they, little kindergartners are singing two songs. One of them is Happy Birthday, Martin Luther King. And another one is about peace and love. First grade, we teach them a poem. They recite a poem. Second grade, they write letters to Dr. King. If you were alive today, you would be proud of me because I did this. And it's all related to what did you learn about Dr. King? And this year we took first graders and we took their drawings and we made a video that we played for the entire school. And each illustration a child spoke about that illustration and we told the story about Martin Luther King Jr. and that was also very powerful. Teaching historical figures in a biographical way is important and we commend Ms. Hetsopoulos for doing so in such a creative and humane way. But again, social studies, American history and civics are not being taught deeply and chronologically. This lack of focused, scheduled class time just for American history can be problematic. In 2016, the National Survey of Science and Math Education, a project funded by the National Science Foundation, found that just 16 minutes per day in the typical K-3 to classroom was dedicated for social studies and just 19 minutes earmarked for science. 
They went on to further say, and I quote, it's hardly any better in grades four through six where subjects of social studies and science together get 45 minutes per day on average. That's 23 minutes each for social studies and for science. And this is concerning to us. Alison Tallman, in a 2016 article for Scholastic EDU, argued, and I quote, Let's face it, finding enough time to teach science and social studies can be a challenge. For example, as a first grade teacher, my schedule allows me only a single 30-minute block in which to tackle both science and social studies, and that just isn't enough instruction time to teach anything, end of quote. So how did teacher Alison Tallman tackle this problem? She says, and I quote again, this is a simple and common sense strategy that has worked well for me. Instead of teaching science and social studies simultaneously in the classroom, I teach my units separately. This provides to my students the opportunity to dive deeper into each subject rather than just touch the surface of both. Students achieve mastery when they go deeper, not wider. I love, love, love that quote. We achieve mastery when we go deeper. How can we go deep and teach the importance of the history of the United States of America and our civic responsibilities if teachers are allotted only 30 minutes per day for both social studies and science, which really is only 15 minutes for each? Ultimately, teachers do feel rushed, and Antoinette Hetsopoulos acknowledges this. There are times when I feel rushed because there there is a lot to cover and children are coming in at different levels. So you have a wide range of learners. I'm hoping with universal pre-K that more children will come better prepared. So what is the upshot of our discussion today with first grade teacher Antoinette Hetsopoulos? Well, first, she is very confident that her students are receiving age-appropriate social studies education through her use of an interdisciplinary approach and after speaking with her at length, I agree. She is working as hard as she can to incorporate social studies into her day. She has shown us numerous examples from students reciting the pledge in the morning, to projects about the Pledge of Allegiance, to Veterans Day and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. programs. And yes, children do vote in her room about various daily activities which enable them to experience democracy on a very basic level. She did end our interview with a discussion of a push-in program her school participates in called STREAM, S-T-R-E-A-M. Stands for Science, Technology, Research, Arts, and Math. Sounds great, wonderful, very interdisciplinary. It just saddens me that there isn't a letter for social studies, history, or civics, even if they just called it STREAMS. Let's add an S for social studies at the end of that. We do want to extend our greatest thanks to Antoinette for helping us jumpstart season two with her boots on the ground experiences. Join us next time on Civics is Dead for what's happening on the opposite end of the spectrum. How well our college students are prepared for college level history classes is what we will talk about. Join me on season two, episode two, when we plunge into the world of high school and college history education. Will we like what we see. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to Civics is Dead on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or visit wcwp.org slash civics is dead. 
I wish you a beautiful day and great peace in your life.